Hi guys, and welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Indira, and today I'm joined by Cole Gibbons. He's a YouTuber and content creator. And in this episode, we're going to look at another angle of running. I reached out to the content creating community and Cole was kind enough to share his journey as a content creator. Running content creation is definitely an all-time boom and doing great things for the sport, so it's definitely a key area to be on top of. And if it's something that you're looking to do, maybe this episode can give you a bit of inspiration. So, let's get into the episode. But before we do, as always, please be sure to give the show a rating if you've been enjoying it, as it really helps me to keep bringing you guys the best guests by giving the podcast credibility. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, Cole. Welcome to the podcast. And how are you today? I'm a little bit rushed and uh, busy um, trying to run a business and create content editing. But yeah, apart from that, how about yourself? How are you doing? Yeah, definitely. Also just, you know, dealing with my disc, but sounds like you're incredibly, incredibly busy. And so can you introduce yourself as, you know, an athlete, a content creator, your situation? Yeah. So uh, my name's Cole, um, Cole Gibbons or Cole Running. If you uh, follow me through uh, yeah, running YouTube, uh, Instagram, um, I've been making YouTube or running related content for about two years now. I'm studying a, a master's degree in osteopathy. Um so hopefully going to graduate as an osteopath in, in June. So kind of, you know, reaching the, the crunch end of that or crunch time. Um, I've been running since about the age of 11, kind of gradually stepping up the distances. I found uh, my vocation in more or more of the kind of longer distance running rather than the shorter middle distance stuff. Um, and yeah, on the side, I, I run my own sports therapy business, doing sports massage, dry needling, acupuncture, cupping, that sort of thing, just trying to help people stay injury free and uh, and and keep up with their running. But I have a massive passion for the the mental side of things, mental health, um, kind of yeah, mentalization, visualization, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I've got my fingers in a lot of pies, but uh, it keeps me busy, and and that's what I, that's what I love. So uh, yeah, that's that's me really. Yeah, well, better better too many than too little, I'd say. So in terms of, I guess, if we touch more on the content creation side of things, what would you say is your biggest lesson learned through sport or, you know, through creating content so far? Um, It's to always document the lows as well. Um, I found that the lows do just as well, if not better than the highs. It's quite often people are quite actually intrigued to see you fail. Um, and that's not necessarily for a negative um spin but more of from a how they can learn from other people's negatives so to start off with i only really documented the highs and actually found that that the lows are actually just as useful um or definitely more useful um to people to learn from and actually they connect more with the with the lows than they do the highs which um which is something that i've definitely learned to do and if anything my content's probably gone the opposite way where i actually very very occasionally document the highs and i um I'm very quick to document the lows, but yeah, that's that's definitely the biggest lesson I've learned is, yeah, people want realism. They want uh, what actually happens to people, and unfortunately, super high highs all the time they just don't happen. So um, yeah, what what's the point in trying to make it look like that? Yeah, no, definitely that's so great. Cause, you know, there's so many I guess negatives that come along with I guess too many too much positivity or only showing the good side of things. So no, that's really great to hear. And in terms of your next goal or thing that you're hoping to achieve, if you're if you're able to share, is have you got any kind of key milestones you want to hit or ambitions for for what you're doing? 
Yeah, so I'd say I kind of break up into two, like a running related and then a life rate related goal, because um, I've always said that, um, or something that I've learned recently, um, actually, is I'm a, I'm a person or a human being first and a runner second, and I need to live my life like that. So I'd say the first goal um, in terms of life or being a better human being is, is developing a better relationship with food and looking looking at food in a, in a more positive manner. Um, and then my running related goal um would be probably do my first marathon um i've i absolutely love doing half marathons it's my favorite distance to race um and train for um and i can't wait to to move up to the marathon but i haven't decided if i want to do that in my final year of uni or or wait until kind of late 2024 early 2025 Yeah, no, well, you know, it's it's good to hear you're identifying as a human. And yeah, I mean, it seems the marathon's only becoming increasingly popular. Um, so yeah, that that should be a great thing to do. And in terms of, say, a number one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? Oh, to my younger self, um, be be kinder to to myself. I think something that I'm really trying to work on at the moment is, um, and some people might have heard me talk about it, is this oxygen mask type thing of always looking after myself because if I don't put my own oxygen mask on and look after myself, I'm going to be absolutely no use to anybody else. And um, and that's something that I'm really trying to live by now and that's something that I wish I'd, I'd thought about a little bit sooner. I was always trying to try to be popular and always try to be cool and, Um, do what would make me look best in other people's um, views or perspectives and actually the best thing to be to be happiest in myself is to to only do what feels natural and and it's what or, or do what I enjoy the most um, so yeah to be to be kind to myself um, and yeah you know it's good it's it's good and healthy to pat yourself on the back every now and again so Yeah, definitely. Can't can't help others until you've helped yourself. And I think definitely amongst athletes in general, you know, with the type of people who are quite hard on ourselves and sometimes it really is important to take a moment and just, yeah, well done. You know, you have done this. You're doing OK. And I guess, you know, you've touched upon it a little bit, but what would you say are some of the topics you feel most strongly about within within the running world at the moment? Yeah, I think um, through my degree, naturally, the kind of the biomechanics injury side is something that I'm definitely passionate about. And, and that's something that I'm going to try and delve into a little bit more in my content, because I feel like I've got this real um, knowledge now developing through my through my degree. Um, and having spent loads of years in the sport getting injured and having to deal with injuries, that's maybe something I could impart to other people. Um, but specifically, and the thing I find most rewarding to work with is is the mental health side of things, because... Um, it affects so many people, whether, whether they know it or not, um, or whether they want to label themselves or not, um, it's completely up to them. But I think, yeah, the mental health side of the sports, um, or even just the psychological side, even if it's not uh, necessarily like a, a mental health illness, but more of just like a, like a tactical or self-efficacy, self-confidence type thing. Um, I find it all really interesting just looking at the psychology of, of how you feel on race day and actually how you can perform is quite often down to how you go into it mindset wise rather than how you feel maybe in your in your body um so yeah looking at the more the psychological side of things and how it can actually really be used as kind of like an ergonomic aid type thing to to improve performance yeah Yeah, definitely. It's, I feel like the psychological side's sort of that 1%, let's call it, that people tend to neglect. And especially with mental health, I mean, everybody's got a brain, everyone's got mental health, even if it's not necessarily bad, it's still there. And it, it definitely is, you know, it does play a huge role in things. And so in terms of content, what sort of content do you create? And, you know, what's your social media presence?
yeah so i'd say i don't have a huge social media presence yet it's something that i i would say i'm striving towards obviously i'm always looking to increase my number of followers and and people that are on the same journey as me for sure my content is based around my running journey my training the kit uh the kit that i use the gear that i use ye um racing my performances um so yeah it's all about that sort of side of things i'm trying to show a glimpse of my life outside of running because um, I think it's very easy to make it look like people don't have jobs outside of or running on through social media but unfortunately I don't have that luxury so trying to show people that you can achieve you can achieve stuff outside of of like a full nine to five type um, lifestyle um, you just have to you know if you if you want to make time for stuff you will um, and I think that's something that I'm definitely trying to show is that you can achieve stuff um, if you put your mind to it um even if you are a super busy person like i like i think i am um but yeah essentially that's that's the the content i like to make and kind of show people how i'm trying to improve myself so hopefully they can take some of the the nuggets and and implement it into their life even if even if i don't think it's a big deal they might they might see it as such a huge change to their life that could really really make a difference so yeah just trying to make engaging uh, but mostly entertaining content um some stuff i do is a bit kind of um kind of like a sketch type thing, like some some jokes and some some funny bits here or there. But there are some videos that are also serious on the flip side of that. So yeah, I, I don't really want to define myself by one style of content. Um, but ultimately, unfortunately, in the YouTube world, you are very much dictated by numbers and, and kind of the, the quantity of things. Um, and that is, it's hard to look away from that sometimes. Um, if I'm thinking about two different videos to make, I'll typically go for the one that is going to get better engagement or I think will get better engagement. So um, it's a little bit sad from that perspective. Um, like recently, um, I made a, a video about the European cross-country trials in um, in Brussels. And that is a video that I put a lot of lot of effort and a lot of work into. And I actually think it's a really, really good video from my, my own biased opinion, kind of showing the insight into like the British elite athletes. And actually content and uh, sorry in terms of viewers wise it's actually done um probably the worst video out of my last 10 in terms of views and numbers which isn't necessarily a reflection of the actual content of the video maybe just the way i marketed it or or um or the thumbnail little things like that but yeah sometimes it's sad to see you put a lot of effort into stuff and it not go as go as well as you'd, you'd hoped but yeah as i said just not trying to define myself by a certain style but do what do what i think is a, a fair reflection of, of my life and and things that i enjoy yeah no definitely and that is such a good point in terms of content and and social media it it really is interesting how these things, I guess, manifest in terms of their success. And it is quite sad sometimes you can create something that you think on the face of it is quite good. But, you know, there are certain things that do better in terms of the algorithm. And ultimately, you need the reach to be able to kind of continue to build. And it, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. Have you found any, I don't know, any things in particular that have been particularly successful in terms of getting content to do well or any algorithm hacks um oh i don't know i'm still definitely learning the algorithm for sure um i have to be completely honest if i have any queries or if i'm unsure about something i always message my friend ben uh ben is running who's a, a fellow youtube content creator or or philly bowden as well sometimes i ask for her opinion because they're people that are absolutely crushing it so something that ben always taught me is to never really have more than three things going on in the thumbnail um so you've got your title you'll have a photo 
um, and then maybe have something else like an arrow or something else. So try and keep it really simple because um, I quite like to be a bit artistic with the thumbnails and add a bit too much in that um, you forget sometimes that it's only a little tiny little square on the screen. Um, but in terms of content that has done really well, um, top 10s always do well. Um, race day vlogs are, are probably my best content and the content that does does do decently in terms of viewers. Um, but on Strava, um, on Instagram, sorry, I recently had a, a reel that did pretty well was um, about Strava Riz or Strava chat lines. You could maybe send to, send to friends. Um, and that was just a tongue in cheek video. It wasn't meant in, in any serious manner, but that, that seemed it really well. I think it's got about 400,000 views on Instagram now, which is, uh, which is good for me. That's pretty, that's a pretty big, big number for me, but even though it's only meant as a joke to, to start off with. Yeah, definitely. No, it's funny. And I guess sometimes, you know, once one starts doing well in terms of things like YouTube or social media or say Instagram specifically, kind of catalyst it's kind of catalyzes it to keep doing well, it gets shown to more people. Um and you know, you mentioned there how race day vlogs in particular do well. What do you think is the reason for that? Do you think it's anything to do with maybe showing more realism in terms of you and your life combined with the athlete side of things? Yeah, I think it's partly because um, runners stepping up to different distances. So, for example, a lot of my race day vlogs tend to be half marathons. So anyone that maybe hasn't raced one before, they get an insight into kind of what a race day half marathon looks like. But also, I think I've always had this theory, and this is going to sound like I'm kind of um, blowing my own trumpet or blowing smoke up my own um, ass for want of a better phrase. Um, I, I've always felt that people generally will only watch YouTubers or content creators that are, are faster than them or can add add value you know i i i generally don't watch too many people that are maybe say running a, a an hour 10k um but i would definitely say watch um ben or philly who are like i'd say levels above me in terms of running ability for example um so maybe that's why people watch some of my content even if it isn't the best in terms of production quality maybe they can learn something from me in terms of i've ran an hour and seven minutes for a half marathon which is um compared to the general public is is a really really good time but obviously it's nowhere near the elite level so i wouldn't expect say elite runners to watch my content but maybe people that are trying to get to my level just as much as i'm getting, trying to get to the next level maybe they, they would watch my content in terms of what what can they learn so yeah i think it's all about um learning stuff at the end of the day i think that's the main reason people will watch youtube content um obviously there's the entertainment aspects but ultimately to learn um and better people better themselves because obviously it's quite easy to to think of ourselves in, in that sort of um yeah that sort of aspect I guess yeah definitely no that leads on very nicely to my next kind of line of thought in terms of that value that you mentioned there what do you think is the main thing that people are showing up for your content to gain and you know is there any videos in particular where maybe from the comments or the analytics you've got back you've been able to identify anything in particular that people have really really enjoyed or really really found value in I think it's primarily the journey. I think that's what a lot of people tune into. So I did a series leading up to the Great North Run where it was all about um, a big vlog each week talking about my entire week of training, why I did certain runs the way I did, what sort of SNC I did and and that sort of thing. And that, I think that's what people really kind of engage in, the long form or, or long term sort of content. Um where people kind of it's like when you watch a series like you're you're invested you want to see how that person got on you want to see if that person got murdered and so on and so forth and I think that translates really well to YouTube people see episode one and they go okay like it's training really well I, I want to see if this guy achieves the um 
the goal that he set out, um, which I actually didn't achieve. But again, it's showing the highs, it's showing the lows and showing that it's okay to have aspirations that are maybe a little bit out of touch because shoot for the moon and you'll, and you'll hit the stars type thing. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Always, always go for the best option possible. And so I guess in terms of that there, especially, you know, the longevity of showing the full journey and the build up to a race, you probably received a lot of potentially comments and feedback and interactions from various fans. Has that impacted you and your training and, and anything about the way you think about running? It's hard. I'd be lying if I said that I could look at comments and not take anything on board. Um, specifically the negative ones, they're the ones that cut the deepest. Um, and I found that comments that are actually probably have a, uh, a depth of like truth to them. They're the ones that probably cut the deepest. Like, um, recently I've been able to look back in kind of hindsight and I know hindsight is 2020, but it's definitely something I'm going to take on board going forward throughout the training block. Um, some people would leave comments saying that it looked like I was under fueling and, um, and at the time I was thinking like, who are you to to comment on, on what I'm eating? And, but actually looking back at it, I probably was under fueling and I ended up getting a little bit ill as a result of that. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely trying to work on taking comments as a little bit more face value and not reading too much into them, but also trying to find the positives and even the negative comments, like maybe it's constructive criticism rather than kind of negative um, jealousy type criticism. But in terms of the positives, uh, the motivation really, really does give you a little bit of extra fuel in the tank for sure. Um, and sometimes there might be runs where I feel not so motivated to get out, but the the night before reading loads of comments about people really enjoying the journey or they really believe I'm going to do it, it really gives me that inspiration to to get out out the door and, and do it for them, not just not just for myself. So it's a small coal army that I've got kind of following me, um, or relatively small, but honestly, it it, it yeah, it gives me extra fuel for sure. Oh no, that no, that's really great to hear. And yeah, it can be really difficult, especially as you mentioned, if if people are saying things that have got a, a shred of truth to them. But I guess to follow on from that point a little bit, have you felt that your way of training or the way you view running and training has changed because you're creating content for it? And do you train partially for the content you'll create, or do you train fully based on training and then the content is just, you know? You're gonna deal with whatever I whatever I do. Yeah, I think training definitely comes first. It'll be a case of I might film the training session that I was already doing. I wouldn't adapt the session or the run or the gym session so that I could then film it if that makes sense. Um the training would always come first because I could just film a different day. It doesn't doesn't really matter too much. Um but I'd be lying if I said that it it isn't cool to post videos of epic workouts. Um, so sometimes I might slightly overreach, um, in myself just to film a, an epic workout or a workout that people might think is pretty hardcore. Um, and that's definitely something I'm, I'm working on trying to just, you know, get the basics right first and, and actually doing the basics right consistently is actually in some people's eyes more impressive than these kind of one-off mega workouts. Um, so yeah, definitely trying to step, step away from that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that all makes sense. Would you say though, overall it's, added to your training and you think you perform better because of having maybe the additional motivation or these you know super sessions um totally honest i think it's probably had a, a negligible effect in terms of not a massive benefit or drawback 
I think there's some days where it would definitely help me where I, I haven't been motivated to train and it's given me the motivation to train. Um, but there's on the flip side of that, there's maybe been sessions where because I've had to adjust cameras or move cameras or um, something similar to that, that actually it's maybe taken my focus away from the session a little bit. For example, a classic session I like to film is a 20 by 400 session. So it's pretty much one lap. So leaving the cameras in the same place is pretty easy. but having to turn them back on and make sure they're still running. And if they're too cold, too hot, or if it starts raining, I've got to run them inside quick. So yeah, sometimes that can add a little bit of stress or complication, but um, it's pretty minor. But yeah, in terms of overall uh, effect, yeah, pretty pretty neutral. I don't think it's it's changed or made it better or worse, really, to be completely honest. Yeah, no, that's probably uh, probably a good good situation to be in. And in terms of that there, you mentioned the setup, you know, multiple cameras. How much time does it take and how much equipment does it take to typically, you know, create one of these videos? So I'd be lying if I said it took ages. It really doesn't. Um, putting the cameras out is the easy part. If anything, um, it takes less than a couple minutes. Um, and quite often I have someone who's maybe there to help me film. It's not always the case. Um, that's probably more of a more of a problem is having someone to film me from a third person because obviously if it's my channel, people are coming to watch me. Um, so sometimes it's hard to film myself. So it's better if I can have someone else filming. But in terms of content creation as a whole the biggest energy will go into the the content creation in terms of making videos editing the videos that's the the main um kind of time loss i guess um yeah thumbnails reels instagram posts they take the longest actually filming the content itself is pretty simple uh, because i'm generally I'd be putting shoes on anyway. So putting a camera up next to me, putting my shoes on, as silly as that sounds, it's super easy to do. Um, and then it's the actual hard bit is putting them in, in, in an order or in a way that is engaging to the viewer. Um, so yeah, no, content creation itself. And if anyone's thinking about doing it, I would definitely urge people to do it. I think it's got a lot of benefits, um, but the actual, the actual content itself is not super difficult to film. Um, it just takes quite some time to, to produce um, from the editing and, marketing side of things Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in terms of though those timeframes for the editing and marketing, typically what are you looking at in terms of say reels and YouTube videos? um reels can take not very much time or they can make or they can take a, a little bit longer so they could take potentially up to half an hour to 45 minutes if you spent a lot of time on it on a reel um but reels are obviously short form content so Um, they're not too bad but the actual full videos could potentially um, take up to six to eight hours depending on the the length of the of the video I do sometimes get help for example um, a friend of mine helped me out while I was like deep in exam season with with some editing which really took the the weight off a little bit but I, I try my best to to do um, my own my own content um, if I if I can um So yeah, but once I'm once I'm out of my 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 final year of uni, it's something that I definitely like to take a bit more onto my own um, own hands, really. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it must be so much balancing all of those things and final year, especially that it, it, it hits hard. <laughs> definitely, for sure. How have you kind of managed or so far managed to balance the competing priorities? Um, I've. found this fourth year to be the the most difficult of the four in terms of balancing workloads um between different things because i've kind of i've come to the mature realization that my uni degree is is essentially what will pay the bills 
um in the future so i've definitely something i've had to prioritize so my training especially in the re in the last kind of eight weeks has been very much um like up and down so some some, some of the biggest highs in terms of mileage i've ever had like i did a hundred and eight miles a couple of weeks ago but then also um to counterbalance that in in the weeks either side of it i might have only done 60 because that's all i could actually have time for um so yeah my my running mileage or running volume is very much dictated by time at the moment not so much energy or motivation um but yeah i'd say the other three years of my uni degree it was quite easy to prioritize the running and the content creation but this fourth This fourth year, um, it's seen the biggest conflict. The exams get harder. Dissertation becomes a big strain. Um, but yeah, just trying to balance it. And then obviously at the weekends, I need I need to earn money first and foremost. Um, so yeah, becoming an adult, um, a little bit more each year, I guess. Um, but I'm hoping in the future I'll be able to dedicate a bit more time to the content creation and the running as well because that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah, no, definitely. That that would be really great to see. And in terms of that, it sounds like you've got a clear plan or you'd quite like to take things a lot further in terms of content creation. Was there a key moment or a key point when you kind of had that realization or, you know, what, what led to that, I guess, potential decision? Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Really. It's always something that I thought about. Um, I don't know if it comes back to like this innate desire to be um, liked or people to, to be popular maybe. Um, but yeah, I guess um, when I first decided to do YouTube, it was a pretty spur of the moment decision. I'd been thinking about it for a while and I'm quite an impulsive person. So I just randomly went, you know what? I've set up a YouTube channel. I'm going to film my first video, which is a dreadful video. Um, Don't go and watch it. No, please do. Um, no, don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of once I made that first video and had actually really nice positive feedback from the maybe 70 people that watched it. Um, yeah, it was just like, well, actually, I'm going to keep doing it this. Um, and then gradually see more improvement in the quality of the content and the views. And it's kind of a bit addictive, actually, seeing the seeing the numbers go up and, and that is definitely a, a positive and a negative with the content creation. But yeah, I don't know. It's a bit on a whim. Um, I don't think my girlfriend was too happy about it. I think she maybe saw it as a bit, bit more cringy at the time when I first started up my YouTube channel. So, um, but yeah, I think screw her essentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoy yeah. making the content and the, and that was the main thing. Yeah. Well, it seems to have worked out for the best so far. You know, your content's doing great. So I guess as well, in terms of that, you mentioned there, perhaps like touching on it being potentially cringy. How do you get through that first hurdle of, you know, putting yourself out there? And did you encounter any kind of challenges? And especially in terms of the sort of content you produce, you have been fairly personal and shared, you know, personal elements of your journey. How, how does that feel? Um, I think it's definitely something that I've got better at dealing with to start off with. It was definitely an insecurity of mine feeling like I was coming across as maybe a bit cringy or a little bit kind of, um, I don't know, some people would, would take the mick and you just kind of have to go like, Oh yeah, it's just, um, just a bit of banter and not try and take it too personally. I think recently my videos have got less cringy, which is, which is obviously a, a good thing from my point of view, but unfortunately the content creation space is naturally a little bit cringy anyway, because you've got to be very over-exaggerated on camera. Um, you've got to maybe film things that you wouldn't normally film, like what you're eating for breakfast and you pouring the porridge into the bowl. 
it's a bit of a cringy thing to do, but unfortunately without filming little things like that, you don't really have much of a video. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something I've got better at. Um, but yeah, to start off with it is, it is difficult. Um, yeah. People kind of, I don't know, making comments or, or making, making jokes, but I'd say anyone that makes content, honestly, hats off to you because anyone that's made content will understand how much of a struggle it is to start off with. It's easy once you've got hundreds and thousands of, of people watching your video, um but when you're not when you're not seeing much return it's um it can feel like a bit of an uphill battle so um massive kudos to any anybody that makes content um whether it's like podcasts videos instagram stuff just putting putting yourself out there is a really brave thing to do um and it's definitely something i don't regret yeah no that's great to hear and yeah it definitely does take a lot more i guess time and effort than it, it can look like on the face of it and in terms of for you, that journey, you know, you mentioned there, once the ball's rolling, it, it, it tends to keep rolling quite well. But how long was that process to really get things going for you? And were there any points where you thought about stopping? Oh, yeah, I've thought about stopping quite a few times. Um, it's a bit tricky, really, because when I started the channel, I had a few other channels that were or had just started out as well. So I thought I would grow the exact same as them. So we'll take Ben, for example, who's probably helped me the most with my YouTube running career. Um, ben is running, Ben Felton. Um, so his channel has just absolutely exploded and he's got thousands and thousands of people that watch his videos each week. So I essentially thought that I would essentially become a carbon copy of him just with my own spin and things would follow the same sort of trajectory. And when they weren't following the same sort of trajectory, I did start to kind of look at myself and think maybe... Maybe I haven't got the personality that he's got or maybe I'm just not as likeable or engaging as he is. Um, but sometimes, yeah, you do need the algorithm to help you. And I'm not saying that's the the cut and dry of it. But um, yeah, it's definitely been times where I've thought, actually, I'm maybe not getting the return for the, the work that I'm putting in. Um, but I think with these things, and although I haven't really had a breakthrough yet, um, I think breakthroughs are inevitable no matter what sort of niche or domain you're in. Um, and I think it will happen at some point. So that's what I'm kind of waiting for patiently is, is my own little breakthrough. Um, and also I understand that uh, a lot of the videos I made to start off with were pretty poor quality. Um, and as I said earlier, yeah, a little bit cringy. So I think it's taken me a little while to kind of reprogram what people think of my channel and, and me as a person. Um, so yeah, hopefully in the in the future, people will realize that actually those early videos were much different to, to what I wanted them to be um, just because I didn't have the skill set or or the knowledge or, um, yeah, all the ideas of how to make them better and, and less cringy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, big breakthrough coming. <laughs> if it's yeah, anything hopefully. like training, yeah, consistency <laughs> is key. So, you know, surely it should be on its way. And I guess in terms of there, you mentioned you made some kind of changes and I guess also naturally you just developed more skills as you've gone along with the channel. But is there anything in particular that you've changed and seen tangible impacts from in terms of better uh, response from, from the audience? Uh, yeah, thumbnails, definitely. Um, I was making thumbnails on like free apps, which weren't very good. And then um, actually buying like a proper software to to make thumbnails that made that made a big difference audio as well um i was just using kind of free audio i could find online because you you can't use audio from um like uh, proper artists because you will get copyrighted and unfortunately i do do need the money for, that i make from youtube videos to to reinvest 
Um, so yeah, then when I invested in kind of proper uh, music rights, um, uh, it's a brand called Epidemic Sound. Um, again, it's all just kind of third party music, but it's me music that I have the rights to then to use. Um, that definitely makes a difference. And I do get some comments pe to people saying, well, I can't use this, uh, use this um, audio. And that's because I can't, I don't want to get copyrighted essentially. So yeah, they were two, two main things. And actually most of them, I try and reinvest a lot of the money from YouTube back into it. So things like upgrading my camera was a big thing. Um, investing in things like GoPros and, and the cameras that you can film yourself whilst running. That's super important. Um, I then did buy a drone as well, which looking back has maybe maybe been a bit of a luxury purchase that I didn't need to make. But again, some of that some of those shots can be can be quite cool and add to add to videos for sure. Um, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is the skill set. Um, yeah, it's easy to buy cameras and software and stuff, but if you don't know how to use it, then um, yeah, that's definitely been been the biggest change. Yeah, no, definitely. That's, that's a very good point. You know, you can have all the stuff or all the gear or all the everything, but it's knowing how to do it or how to use it that really counts. And so you touched on there a bit on the, I guess, financial side. In terms of YouTube, do you think that the amount that you can make off that is kind of enough for the effort that you're putting in and something that could expand to potentially a full-time career? And do you get any opportunities with sponsorship from brands through it? Yeah, I'd say at the at this current time, it's definitely not something I could live off. Um, I can say that very ca very categorically. I'd say if you took all the time that goes into the videos, um, I definitely earn less than minimum wage. Um, when it comes to the YouTube side of things, um, but again, it's it's a bit of a luxury job in terms of I can sit on my sofa and edit a video, or um, I can sit in in my room and and film me trying on a pair of shoes or talk about a pair of shoes. So it's quite it's got benefits and drawbacks in that in that aspect. Um, but as you do grow, there becomes more opportunities. So since I've had a slightly bigger following, I've had um, more opportunity and potential to to go to certain events or get free entry into certain races. For example, the the Manchester half, which was the last race I did and in October I got free entry into that, which is which is really useful. And that's through my through my YouTube that got me that. So um I definitely do appreciate um some of the the things it brings me, such as free shoes and free watches and and things like that. Um but that's all tangible stuff, you know. Um is going to the going to the events that is the the thing that I care about, making memories. Um but in terms of massive sponsorship opportunities, I haven't had anything crazy. Um I'm sure there's hopefully something good in, in the future future for me. Um but yeah you'd be I think anyone that's making content would be surprised like some of the opportunities you do get. Um yeah and and there's a lot of free stuff out there if you if you're willing to work for it. Um it just depends who you're prepared to sell your soul to. Um And I've tried. I've tried my best not to not to do crappy sponsorships and and stuff, just to try and keep it as much as kind of as vanilla and natural as possible. Yeah, definitely. Have you had any moral dilemmas that have presented themselves to you through through any of the content or you know maybe sponsorship opportunities you've had? Yeah, for sure. Um, without naming the brand specifically, because I, I don't think they're necessarily a bad brand. They just didn't work for me. Um. there was a brand that I was doing kind of like a commission based thing for where I'd advertise the brand. Anyone that used my code, I would get a certain kickback from that. And then I'd get free products on top of it. Um, that became a bit of a moral dilemma because I actually wasn't happy with, I didn't use the product. Um, so I was like, actually, you know what? I can't keep, 
kind of selling this product in my videos because I don't actually use it. So I'm lying to myself and I'm lying to my viewers. So um, yeah, I decided to stop that. And sometimes brands will reach out where they'll say, oh, if we pay you um, X amount, say for, I don't know, a hundred pounds and we want um, a 90 second integration into a YouTube video. Um, I had a company recently, which was a completely unrelated brand to running. And they wanted a 90 second portion of my video dedicated to their brand. It, to be honest, that sort of situation, it didn't matter how much money they offered me because I'm, I wasn't going to do it because it's absolute rubbish. No one wants to watch it. It offers no value to anyone because it's not even running related. Um, it was just um, the only reason I would have done it if I was looking for a payday. Um, and I definitely, I don't know, I, I don't want to sell my soul. I want to I want to be cold first um, rather than a, than a marketing kind of advertising board, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, it can be difficult when these things come your way and you have to take a moment and think, actually, what am I standing for? And I guess remember where where you started from. Okay, so I guess, you know, we're approaching the end of our time now. So a few things to kind of dive into before we finally wrap up. Overall, what would you say you have enjoyed the most through creating content, but also maybe what's been your most challenging moment? Oh, The most challenging moment was definitely the the first few months where mental health maybe wasn't going so well. And then the video numbers that are coming back that uh, views, likes, um, that's definitely been the most challenging um, moment from the content creation side of things about, is it even worth me carrying on? Um, but then the, the best moment I would say is a really tricky one is, I don't know if I would say it's a moment specifically, but the best aspect of content creation is 100% the people that I get to meet through it so people like Ben people like Philly um, and a lot of elite athletes that I've had the um, kind of the benefits of, of talking to through the YouTube side of things and getting their insights and and their advice and stuff yeah I think it's the people I interact with or it's open the doors to interact with different people that's definitely the the biggest plus for me for sure Yeah, definitely. And how is the running community? You know, how are are they a hard market to please or is there anything in particular that people really, really love? I would say 99% of the running community are some of the nicest people you ever meet. They're people that understand about self um, kind of bettering themselves, self-improvement, hard work, dedication. You do get 1% of people um, that are hypercritical for no reason and will watch the video and then complain about the fact they watched the video. Um, people like that and you just don't understand their thought process but unfortunately haters are are part of the game but 99% of people are are really lovely positive give honest feedback useful feedback and always want you to succeed it's just that 1% that actually are waiting for you to fail um, but again if you if you if you did anything and 99 people liked it and one person didn't like it you'd consider that a success so content creation is the exact same um, I wouldn't stop because of the 1% Um, and I wouldn't consider that that one percent of people to mean that I make bad content, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, 1% doesn't sound so bad in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, doing something right, I'd say. And in terms of maybe the landscape of content creation, what do you think the future for running content looks like at the moment? I think running content is going to, if anything, it's just going to grow exponentially. Um, so many elite athletes are getting YouTube channels these days. Whether they'll keep it up the same sort of way because they don't rely on the income as much is different. Um, but I think the content around running is only going to 
explode and and become even better and it's only going to help grow the sport even more um more content like the style of um Callum Nelson the distance project I don't know if you've seen his videos content that looks a little bit more deep into each individual event and the personalities in the events I think more content is going to come out like that and I think it's and it's going to be very soon that a big brand like Sweat Elite or Flow Track um start to delve a little bit deeper into athlete lives because I think that's what it, the sport's crying out for is more in-depth learning about the personalities, learning about the rivalries. Um, and I think that's going to happen very soon, um, for sure. Or at least Yeah. I hope it would anyway. A bit of kind of like a drive to survive style aspect into into running would be would be super cool. I know they've they're doing something with Noah Lyles, the sprinter, um, at the moment. Um so yeah, something something like that is going to happen at some point. And I think running um content is gonna only get better. Um I think there's there's endless kind of scope for improvement for sure. Yeah, definitely a kind of Ingebrigtsen style series, but some of the UK athletes, I guess, potentially. And Yeah, for sure. have you got a video or something that you've done content wise that you're most proud of? <laughs> Oh, that's a tricky one. Um I'd say the video that I've watched the most from my Uh, it sounds a bit vain to watch my own videos, but the video that I've gone back and watched the most is probably my Night of the 10Ks um, video because I, I've i got a, a need to be dramatic. I love being dramatic. I'm a bit of a drama queen or, or drama king. Um, and I really like the, the touch of drama in that video. So yeah, I'd say the Night of the 10Ks from this year. Um, definitely, definitely go and watch that if you want to see a glimpse of my channel. That'd be the video I'd say to to watch as my my showpiece, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's I love the emotional side of the sport, and that's uh, and that's definitely something that I think I get about right in that video. But but yeah, it's um it's, it's easy to recommend the best video. Uh, if you want to watch the worst, definitely go back to my early videos. That they, they are dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> oh well you know night of the 10k pvs guys that's that's the one to to start with and yeah the emotional side is so important i feel like that's what creates a story and it's stories that people show up for ultimately okay and is there one thing that you want people to know about you maybe a sort of misconception that you think people have got that you want to correct Oh, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. I think, I think a lot of people assume. Yeah, I don't know if maybe about me, but assume that content creation is easy, and I definitely don't think it is. But about me, I think a lot of people assume that I'm this. I, I don't even know if they assume it, or maybe it's just me with a, a stick up my ass. I think a lot of people assume that. Um, Being a, this is going to sound, I don't know if this is a bit of a hot take, but being a, a white straight male um, makes the path super easy and super free, like a free ride. Um, and maybe I've just been unlucky, but it definitely hasn't been like that for sure. Um, so yeah, I think everybody works hard. Um, and obviously other some people would definitely 100% have, have more to put up with or more struggles or more hurdles to climb. Um, but it doesn't mean that my uh that my course is maybe flat as a pancake and and no hurdles to climb either. So, um yeah, maybe maybe I've got more going on than pe than people maybe might think. But yeah, I don't know. It sounds a bit dramatic saying it like that. But uh, but yeah. I mean, no, it's, you know, everything, everything's valid. And I guess on that note as well, actually, the running content side of things is, I'd say that there are more males in terms of creating content. Do you have any thoughts around why that currently might be?
Um, I don't know. Uh, I'd say from my personal experience, if I've gone to races and gone to interview males and females, the females generally seem to be less confident or less open to being interviewed. That's only my personal experience. Um, I feel like also as a male, I've naturally get on better with other males. Um, I definitely understand the male side of the sport better. So for me, interviewing other runners, it's easier to engage with other males. But in terms of um, why there's more males than there is females, I think maybe because there is more males in the sport than there is females, especially up the, at the top end, I think. Um, whether there's certain barriers that have affected that, um, obviously that's um, open for discussion. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. And honestly, some of the some of my favorite content to watch is 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 from female content creators, uh, creators like Philly Bowden or Ali Ostrander. Um, I really enjoy their content. Um, so yeah, I really hope more more girls. My sort, I guess, more kind of um, exactly mirroring my sort of level. I'd really be interested in that sort of kind of that sub elite. sort of um of level of, of female sport because it's definitely something I don't know enough about and, and would like to be educated on for sure. Yeah, definitely. There is a big gap actually in the UK. There aren't there aren't really any girls at the sub elite level who are covering the journey. So yeah, no, that that definitely is a it's an open market there. And Mm. I guess to finish off with, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give to someone who's looking to set up a YouTube or get a presence or establish a presence on social media? Um, be prepared for the haters because the the comments from or the negative comments will one hundred percent cut deeper, um, than than the positive ones. And just be prepared for that. And also, be be better or be or learn to be good at keeping social media at arm's length. That's definitely something that I've made the mistake of. Um, is letting it kind of encroach on my personal life. Um, and that's that's negatively affected me and the way I've reacted in relationships, for example, letting maybe social media. dictate too much of my attention um so yeah learning to keep it at arm's length not take too many things seriously um and be prepared for the negative side because um it can be extremely rewarding but as i said earlier you, you've always got that one percent of of people that are waiting for you to fall over or, or fail so yeah Yeah, definitely. The higher the highs, the lower the lows. And yeah, exactly. You've just got to kind of put it to one side, do what you think's right and, and not look too much into it. So no, thank you so much, Cole. Thanks for sharing all things around content, you know, a bit of a new angle. So yeah, great talking to you. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. So that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, be sure to rate, subscribe and leave a review. This really helps to get the content out there. And I want to make this podcast the best possible for you. So go follow Fitter, Faster, Happier on Instagram. That's Fitter, Faster, Happier to leave your questions, comments and feedback and for updates and guest requests. All the best for the week ahead, guys. Run happy, live happy, be happy.